Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Brooko Mode. My name is Egan and I'm 21 years young and a footballer and cricketer who studies psychology and loves researching and learning about the mind in sport, as well as having meaningful conversations, often around sport. So I've decided to combine these passions into a show and see what we can all learn from people's experiences and opinions. In this episode, I'm joined by one of my former school friends, Michael Christie. He's a very determined, hard-working, high-jump athlete and has won two national junior medals and is the current back-to-back WA state champion with a PB of 2 metres and 12 centimetres. Michael is such a lovable and great person. I'm thrilled to have him onto the podcast. Welcome back to Brooko Mode for the first episode, joined by Michael Christie. Second episode? Second episode. Is that what I said? First episode. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, welcome back to Brooko Mode for the second episode. Joined by Michael Christie. What's up, Egan? Thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks for coming on. Right, we'll jump right into it. So, what are your earliest memories of high jump? And how did you get into it? Oh, earliest memories. That's got to be like a little athletics sort of thing. Um, so, we did scissor kick back in oh, under nines, I think, is when we first started. So, that would have been something like 2000 and... 2009 or 2010 yeah I think it was 2010 um that was like first time doing high jump at little athletics um and then you kind of like get into the Fosbury flop under 12s I think it's now under 11s but back when I was doing it under 12s and kind of just um yeah doing first year of Fosbury flop went pretty well and that's kind of like also when I joined Hale and that's where I met Nenad Pysk and my current coach sort of thing so it all kind of rolled on from there um, but also getting into high jump, I think it was pretty handy to have a background in ballet, kind of give you that spring and the strength that you need to jump high. So that's kind of like the whole, like the unlikely duo that kind of like got me where I am today. Yeah, that's cool. There's often there's sports that can help other sports. Um, so was it always going to be high jump or were there other, other sports that um, besides the ballet that you're interested in? Well, it was... High jump was always my favourite. Um, did obviously did ballet for like first sixteen years of my life. Um, loved footy, played a bit of footy. Um, go the bombers. Um, unfortunate though, we kind of suck. Um, yeah, so footy, high jump, ballet, played volleyball at school as well. Um, what else did I do? I think that was pretty much it in terms of sports that I did. Um, but yeah, kind of just just love sport in general. Like, I'll, I'll watch like a bunch of different sports. Like I'm into the NBA. I'll obviously watch the World Cup when it's on, watch the footy and follow the athletes and all that. So it's just sport in general is just probably the best thing on this planet, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. What, what made you interested in competing? Was it just because you were so gifted at it that it made you think, okay, this is what I can... I can do this. As in, like, competing for athletics? Yeah, for high jump. Um, 
Well, that was like the whole reason why I started doing little athletics because I remember like, you know, you know, you'd have your like school carnival days in primary school and you'd kind of be, it would like, it would be like super exciting and I kind of just wanted that like excitement and adrenaline every week. So that's why I did little athletics. So I think I've just always loved competing in general, um, like being a competitive person. I think that's just kind of like gets my juices flowing. And also the performing side in ballet, like growing up, performing in front of like big crowds, it kind of just became normal for me and I kind of like enjoyed that. So any chance to kind of like just show off with like being yeah. being told to show off is like good fun. Yeah, definitely. So what? So you played volleyball at Hale. Mm. Um, what are some of the things you like about team sports compared to the individual sports yeah that's like oh that's a big thing that i miss a lot with high jump i mean like we train as a squad um but the the squad is kind of small um but team sport it's just there's something something extra when you're part of a team like when you're part when you're doing an individual sport you kind of you can push your limits and you can push your individual limits but then when you're as a team you, you kind of like go to even like you kind of go even further when you can combine all your skills so that's like good stuff and obviously you kind of you bond much stronger with your teammates than like anyone else I'd say in any sort of relationship so definitely miss that sort of team environment sometimes um but it's you know it's not a deal breaker for me um but yeah that volleyball squad that we had at Hale um, the first ever hail volleyball team to win a championship that was like pretty sick and like pretty much a lot of those guys are still good mates today as well yeah. shout out Corbin Phillips yeah, he's doing well <laughs> yeah far out he's doing very well playing college in America and also in Volleyroo now yeah yeah um, so do you think the responsibility you get from being an individual um, sport like high jump do you think that sort of can become empowering yeah i think that's yeah it's a good question actually i mean that's the thing with athletics in general i mean very individual sport obviously except for the relays but yeah when you're when you're training and when you're competing you're chasing seconds milliseconds centimeters so you kind of um it's definitely a different different sort of mindset to be in as opposed to a team sport because team sport you're really you're thinking about uh what plays you can run what like the team chemistry is like how you gel as a team all that sort of stuff you definitely have yeah i'd say definitely you have more responsibility to hold yourself to that standard um but then again you don't have teammates leaning on you for help either, so you don't have that responsibility of not disappointing your teammates. But then again, I'd say the closest thing to teammates in like high jump for me is like my like team of coaching, um, my coaches and all that sort of thing. So I don't exactly want to disappoint them either. I don't want to disappoint my family. Um, but then again, being an individual sport, um, I feel like you get more opportunities to like be clutch you know so like if you're in a tight game of footy or something like that if you're i don't know if you're like playing half back and the ball is pretty congested in your forward line you're probably not going to get the opportunity to you know kick a winning goal or something like that in high jump if you have a third attempt to win the competition that's always going to come down to you and you can't like rely on anyone else to do that for you um yeah, so I think there's definitely more... I don't want to say more responsibility. It's just a different responsibility um, and different like way of thinking about how you go about your competitions to that of a team sport. So it's just completely different. I don't think you can really compare them either. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. So touching on some of your experiences from Hale and your coach, is, is he... Is Pascal still at Hale? Yeah. Oh, no, he's not at Hale. He, um, he left 2017... From Hale. Oh, that was that. Yeah, we, yeah, we, were, we were still there. there. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, good old Pascal, still my coach. Yeah. So, what were some of your favourite memories from 
your hail high jumping career? Oh, uh, okay, yeah, I got a few. Um, I gotta say, I mean, like it was pretty cool the way I met Nenad. Um, <laughs> it was in year seven PE. I just won state champs. Um, for the under twelve high jump, first year of four three flop, and that was like the first time ever winning a state medal. So I was pretty pumped. And I remember my auntie was like, oh, you have to, like, tell someone at Hale, like, in the sports department. So I um, told Ken Greenway, and he was like, oh, like, tell Mr. Pisker, he's a high jumper. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what are the chances that there's actually another high jumper here? Um, so I told Pisker at, we were doing swimming, and he was, um, what was it, Turtles, Stingrays, and Dolphins at, at oh, Hale. Yeah. Forward, um, so like the different groups of swimming and I like had my goggles on like tight goggles on in my speedos and I was telling like Nenad Pike that I just won he was like oh just come down come down to train with me now I was like I was pretty sceptical because like <laughs> what are the odds that I find like a really good high jump coach at my school so that was kind of a cool moment that kind of kick-started that high jump career um, at Hale but then I say my best moment has to be 2017. Um, I was 15 years old. I was a bit of a late developer through school, so I'd kind of like shot up a bit in year 10. Year 9 was the first year that I had lost at PSA. I think I came fourth and I was like absolutely devastated. So then the next year I had grown a little bit, I was a bit stronger, um, and I was competing well. Going into that comp, my PB was 180 and I came out with a 193 yeah. oh no sorry 181 and I came out with a 193 12 centimeter pb which is like huge yeah. and um the last attempt at 193 I was in second place to an Aquinas guy on countback because we both cleared 190 I cleared 193 on my last attempt he was already out so that that's like the like yeah. clutch jump I won that comp off like that last jump last chance 12 centimeter PB, absolutely huge. Um, that got me colours in year 10 for us, which was like a big deal back yeah, then because, yeah. you know, everything, your whole personality and your whole like self-worth was on your blazer pocket back then. Yeah. Um, and then Hale went on to win the Aths that day for the first time in 15 years. So that was like a nice way to top it off. Um, so that's got to be my best memory. And then also things like... Um, Year 11 house carnival. I was doing the high jump and like the whole school was like around yeah, and clapping. Yeah. That was pretty sick. Um, so yeah, I, got, I, I I've been talking for a while, but definitely got a lot of fond memories of high jump at home. It's been, yeah, it was good. Definitely. Do you think high jump is one of those sports where it's not one of the, it's not like a footy or a cricket. There's not that huge amount of, there's not that many people doing it mm. and it's a bit of a niche sport and you're the current WA you, you can jump pretty much let's make it simple you can jump the highest in WA yeah that's basically that's pretty that's very impressive but it's almost like for being such a niche sport you do you feel like you might not get the recognition that you deserve or is there uh, do you feel um yeah I know what you mean Put it this way, because it's such a niche sport, being the best in WA doesn't feel like a huge achievement for me. Um, if everyone, if every like footy player and everyone who, every basketball player came down and competed and I won then, and like, let's be honest, I probably would win because I've got like good technique and I've been doing it for a while, that would feel like more special to me. Um, but there's not many, there's not much competition in WA, um, aside from a couple of jumpers that are pretty good. Um, and in terms of recognition, I'm pretty well, I'm like very well recognized in the athletics community. Um, like I'm known as the, like, you know, the, the high jumper in WA. Um, but if you're going outside of athletics, like and talk about other sports, I mean like people don't really know who WA athletes are if you're talking to just regular people. I mean, people might know a couple of Waffle players, and but yeah. So I feel like 
probably don't get recognition outside the sport. Um, but that's something I'm trying to work on. I think if I can go internationally, then that sort of, I don't know, I don't know if you'd call it fame, but that would, that publicity would kind of take off a little bit more. So that sort of leads into my uh, uh, question, which it, it's, it's sort of deep, but it's it's sort of a question. I don't know how much you've reflected on it. Sort of, how do you know whether you've whether you're satisfied with your career? What 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 is a defining thing? For oh, us? because yeah, you know, it's hard to it's hard to put a yeah. an objective thing on it, isn't it? Oh yeah, I I think I think about this like maybe three or four times like a day. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Um. I mean, for me, uh, yeah, this is this is a good question. I've thought about this a lot. I think, I mean, the goal is to go to three Olympics. Um, that's becoming increasingly difficult with all the injuries I've had. It's still not, like, out of the window, like Paris in two years' time, one and a half years' time, not two years' time. It's, like, still doable, Um I just have to stay, like, healthy from here to then um, because I've had, like, you know, lots of injuries in the meantime. But, yeah, three Olympics um, is, like, a would be awesome. Um, Paris, Los Angeles, and then Brisbane. Um, but in terms of what will make me satisfied, um, I think, look, I put in, like, so much hard work to the point where if it doesn't, if I get nothing out of it, I can't blame that on myself. So, look, I would be, like, devastated if I get nothing out of it. Um, but then again, I'd, it'd be, it wouldn't be, like, regretful. Um, but at the same time, to get a sat, I think a satisfying career for me would be a regular international Australian team competitor. Um but then, of course, me, I've, I would always, I always want more. So I think, like, like we said earlier, there's not a lot of recognition in athletics. So I think if I can, obviously, compete internationally, that'd be sick, and that's what I want to do. But to further that, outside of just competing, I want to help bring like good personality to athletics, and I want to increase the sports like recognition in the country. Um, that's that's kind of like the thing that I want the most outside of like off the field. I want to really help, you know, give athletics that star power feel to about it. I want to I want Australian athletes to be like recognised as like high performing athletes and celebrities and all that stuff. So I think if I it's, I know it's a big ask, but I think that'd be cool to be a pioneer in that change. Yeah, definitely. I already. It is it is a hard thing. I feel like you have already achieved a lot, to be honest. Like, you oh, thanks, Egg. Yeah, <laughs> you're, a, you're a good bloke. <laughs> but um, yeah. But it's good yeah. to see you're you're still very motivated to keep going. You have these big goals, and mm. it, it is one of those things I reckon where, um, it's like you're achieving things. This can go to any sport, and it's like, how do you know how happy you are? Some people are more satisfied and they've achieved a lot less, but I guess if you stick to your process and you, and you your values are hard work and all that, then you can you can be happy that you've put all your energy into it and mm. whatever comes of it comes of it. So I think you, that's good to see you've got those goals and I'm hoping you can keep progressing. Um, you spoke about the injuries. Um, that's definitely something I wanted to touch on because I know when I was when I was at Hale with you in a few classes, you've yeah. worn the moon boot a few times. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Want to go into about how that's affected your journey, but have what sort of um, injuries have they been? Oh boy, um, so it's coming up to four years now. My first injury, and so which also means that it's going to be coming up to four years since I've competed or trained on a full run up. Um, so my first injury, January two thousand nineteen, got put in a moon boot the day before we started year twelve. I had. Alright, bear with me. I had a stress fracture in my left navicular, stress fracture in my left fifth metatarsal, uh, two fractures in my ostrigonum in my left foot, 
um, stress reaction in my right navicular bone and I think I also had a fracture in my right ostrigonum. Um, so that they're, they're all bones in your feet and ankles. Um, so I was put in a moon boot for 10 weeks non-weight bearing in my left foot because the left was worse than my right. Um, and then a couple of weeks weight bearing in the boot. So that was like the first, pretty much the first term of year 12 in the boot. Then I kind of, oh, then me being an idiot, I wanted to like, I really wanted to be captain of the ath team in year 12. So I kind of like really pushed, tried to do a few more events than I normally would. Um, and then kind of just pushed too hard too early after that first injury and then re-fractured or had another stress reaction in my left navicular. Um, so I had to sit out PSA inters that year as well. Um, so I was in a boot for, I think, four weeks, weight-bearing in that boot, September 2019. Then 2020, after redoing my left ankle, I like did a prolonged period of rehab so I wouldn't do that again. Um, so 2020 had no injuries but then again I wasn't really pushing hard um, in jumping training I was tr still training hard but I was holding myself back when I was jumping so I wouldn't re-injure my bones and then 2021 like February 2021 I um, broke my ostrigonum again which is an extra bone in your ankle not everyone has you don't need it so I ended up having that surgically removed in July 2021 um, and then did that rehab that was good and then did my right ostrigonum earlier this year in 2022 and then I had surgery on that right ankle um, the last day of June 2022 so I'm kind of just rehabbing this one at the moment that's going pretty well um, so yeah that's the long story about my injuries and lots of ankle injuries over the last four years Kind of holding me back from competing so being able to train pretty well though um yeah there you go egg that's all my that's the injury what was yeah. the question again i kind of just gave you oh no i was just asking about injuries and yeah and just how that's well now that you've spoken about them how how has that affected your you know your motivation and your headspace with those injuries yeah um yeah that's that's a good one headspace i kind of you know when you're injured there's like two ways to go about it you can either feel sorry for yourself or you can sort of you know just get on with it so i kind of just tried to get on with it the first few times i got injured um and motivation has never been a problem for me i feel like i've always been able to keep my goals in mind um I actually use the injuries as a good excuse not to drink either because like people would always offer me drinks at parties and stuff when we go out and I say oh no I can't drink and then I'd blame it on my injury and I say oh like I can't drink whilst my bones are healing which is like not true but yeah. it's just a good excuse so I was able to use my injuries like to my advantage in that um, and yeah I think something about being backed into a corner with injuries where you kind of just like turn into like a dog <laughs> and you kind of you kind of just I don't know there's something about it I think it's probably just my personality but when the odds are like not in your favor that's kind of you know you kind of embrace that underdog mentality and I feel like that's really helped getting through injuries and you know I just imagine what it will be like when I'm fully fit in a competition, like a big competition, and that'll like get me buzzing um, and keep me going. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting one. Anyone who's gone through injuries would understand it, but it's kind of hard to explain because it's not really very rational to continue working hard through injuries because there's always a chance you re-injure yourself but there's just something about it where you just think there's like, there's no way I can give up now. And if you're injured, you kind of just keep working hard because that's all you know what to do. So I think everyone's a little different with how, 
how they face adversity and I think you know that's one of your strengths obviously you're very resilient and that's obviously been able to help you do you think having achieved like a lot of success early um with two national uh, was it two national junior medals um which is a huge achievement do you think that sort of has given you a lot of internal confidence and when you have these setbacks you're able to you know it's you're not doubting yourself because i think people haven't achieved a lot they get injured and then there's that doubt that creeps in but do you think that's held you in good stead having all those early accomplishments yeah for sure i feel like um having the accomplishments help um before getting injured um but at the same time just the accomplishments help because they give you confidence the accomplishments also help because you remember how good they feel um and you know that if you keep pushing then you can get over the other side of the brick wall and you can achieve like even better accomplishments and it's going to feel even better um so yeah i think getting those accomplishments a bit early in the piece did help um but it's just it's just the love for the sport it's just if i were to quit high jump tomorrow because of all my injuries like i don't know what i'd do like <laughs> I'd, I'd get up and i'd probably just be like yeah, fuck like <laughs> i've got i've got like i mean like i've got a life but I, high jump is such a big part of my life that it's just love training love competing it's just i can't imagine giving it up it's just yeah not not an option yeah no that definitely makes sense how well then how do you i'm you've been at uni now um yeah. so what other things in your life um give you a bit of balance or and and a bit of perspective from you know your huge dedication to your sport um well <laughs> a lot of people that know me would argue that my life is extremely um like out of balance like everyone thinks that i well not everyone but a lot of people are telling me to find a hobby so i can take a break from high jump every now and then um i don't want to do that <laughs> but yeah i'm at uni um i kind of like do a bit of filming around athletics do my own podcast track charts shameless plug um uh yeah uni um yeah i kind of i like to kind of like just dive into my studies a lot when the semester's on i think that's a good way to you know intellectually stimulate um that side of my life um and it's i don't know i think there's something about it's just something about hard work that kind of just you know um gets me going so i like to you know work hard at uni um but yeah when i think about it oh yeah i do play a little bit of golf with dad pretty shit though to be honest so that's extremely frustrating too true i'm no good either yes yeah, uh, i went to the driving range yesterday just could not hit the ball to save my life um yeah when you talk about balance it's sort of like it doesn't really when i'm training it doesn't really feel like i've got an imbalanced life because i'm always like my life would be uni training like a sleep sort of thing but it doesn't feel imbalanced because it's something i enjoy so Everyone talks about work-life balance, but high jump doesn't feel like work because it's, like, so fun. And that's why I want to go professional so I can, you know, make it a living so I essentially don't have to work. So, yeah, maybe I should find a hobby, but I don't know. I, for the moment, I'm pretty pretty happy with where my life is. Yeah, that's great to hear. With all that talk about those injuries, early in the year, I was looking at before, it might have been February... You had your uh, PB, yeah. two meters, twelve centimeters, two twelve. That's that's taller than me. That's I do. I remember when I was um, in little lass, like I did it for a couple of years, and I jumped a meter five, and I thought I was amazing. But that's 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 that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> that's double me. Jeez, that is very tall. But a seven centimeter PB, that's pretty big. <laughs> Did you get that off the Aths West website? Yeah. Seven centimeters. Yeah. Oh, they no. they didn't get it right. It was a twelve centimeter. Was it a twelve centimeter? Yeah, I went from two to two twelve. 
Um, yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so how exciting are these competitions that you train for? Because I guess it's not like, you know, sports like footy where you're playing week in, week out, but you're putting all this work in training for one big event. Mm-hmm. Does it... I know with your personality, you see it, you might see it as like an opportunity to show off, but yeah. um, all your hard work, but does, what's the headspace like? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, with that 212 comp, uh, it was very unexpected, mainly because it was off a short run up. Um, and to, uh, and then the comp before, I was a, a three step. I jumped 190 because that was my first comp since surgery. So this is my second comp after surgery. It was a bit of a shock to jump 212 off a short run up. Um, but with the with the big comps, you kind of you kind of learn how to handle them. I remember my first big comp was 2015 nationals, and I was like very nervous. And then Pyska gave me some breathing exercises and it kind of calmed me down and it kind of got me in that headspace to perform well and you know show off my skills and really kind of just rise to the occasion but yeah like you were saying we train for those big comps and it's something that's on my mind constantly like literally having a shower this morning I was literally just like thinking because I'm probably I probably won't compete this season with my ankle but I'm already thinking about nationals 2024 in Adelaide, which will be like a huge chance to qualify for the Olympics. And I'm literally just visualizing what it will feel like to be off that full run up with that strong takeoff. And if I can jump like a higher 220s, then that will put me in good stead. So it's kind of like you're always, well, I, at least I am, I'm constantly thinking about what it will feel like to jump at those huge events, to like get the clap going and just like. Like, even now, I'm, like, getting goosebumps because I can just, like, feel what it will feel like by a fraction of what it will feel like to jump at those comps. So, they're always on my mind, which is why I look forward to them so much. And I feel like, yeah, unlike a lot of sports, yeah, they they kind of, the big comps are the really big ones and it's exciting. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I was probably, I was a slightly... It was different to what I was expecting, which is mm. which is cool that you're able to use those events as huge motivation. And, mm. and what do you, what sort of advice would you have then? You've obviously competed some high level stuff. What advice would you have to athletes who are training for you know events like yours? You know they're one-off events or not one-off mm. but you know like, but like the big events yeah one big events like that and you, you put all this training how do you um because here it's an interesting point because with footy you put a lot of work in and then there's you get weekly weekly games and then you can sort of grab motivation from that and you mm. know what i mean but then when you get to sort of the sports the sport you're in sports like that it's sort of like a longer process and it's it's like, how do you? How what would be your advice to keep people motivated for the for the long for the long run? Very easy, just to think that you can take it easy for a couple of weeks. I mean, like, sure, it's important to have your rest like cycles, but to stay motivated, you, yeah, motivation is intrinsic. You know when you're motivated and there's there's nothing I can do to motivate you like I don't know I can give you some sort of spiel and say like hustle beats talent and all that sort of stuff which is kind of true but and that's kind of what what frustrates me I see this on Insta all the time like all these motivational quotes they're not going to motivate you they might get you motivated for like a day, a week, I don't know, but you're motivated, you, you know when you want something, and if you want that, then you'll go and get it, like, you shouldn't need me to tell you how to stay motivated, you should know that you're motivated, because you want that, um, and if, 
if you don't want it, then you know that you don't want it and you just find something else that you want. So, um, but, and if you, if you're motivated, if you know that you want that shit, then, then you just, you get a team, you plan it out, don't do it, don't try and do it by yourself, um, you need a team and they will help you and you just trust them. You have to find people that you trust and that's how you can, you know, just stay part of your process and you just got to trust that and, um, even if results don't come for a long time, you just got to trust that it will, will come you just got to keep putting 100% in and that's, you know, that's all I can say really to stay motivated. Literally, just think about what it will feel like to run a PB, to jump a PB. Because if that's what drives you, that should be enough. So it's not really something that I can tell you how to stay motivated. It's, you know, it's within you. Yeah, that's def- that's great advice. I think that definitely rings will ring t- true for a lot of people. I think, yeah, trusting that process is key because I think I've definitely done this before where you become a bit too with a sport like footy a sport like cricket there's a lot more it's a lot more volatile and if you if you are if your motivation and your emotions are too dictated by result by the immediate result it can sort of sway you away from that long-term process of improvement and I think um, keep working on your craft specific to your sports and trusting the team whether it's your own program and trusting that long-term process is a lot better than just relying on results to motivate you mm. but I think yeah keeping those the long term in in the back of your mind all the time is definitely yeah. great advice yeah. you've got to be honest with yourself if you, if you know what it will take and you know what it will take like you know what it will take to do this and if you, you just got to be honest with yourself are you willing to do that all the time to get there if you're not if you're not that's like completely fine that's just not the thing for you so yeah try not yeah also like you said you can't let emotions get in the way which is like extremely hard because you know as humans we're emotionally driven creatures but yeah that's why it helps to have a team of coaches and mentors to kind of like set you straight and give you subjective advice as well yeah that's great a little segment on my show you might have heard it um <laughs> is it's it your pop yeah it is it's it's called stop for pop stop for pop it's a bit of a specific high jump question but yeah. we stop what we're doing all right we'll for stop it. for pop yeah egan's pop so how do you alter your pre-jump routine to account for the wind conditions oh that's a good question egan's pop how do I alter my jump routine for wind conditions? Ah, oh, wind sucks. Like, mm, it's more so your run-up that you have to alter. But then again, you also have to keep in mind, you have to keep the wind in the back of your mind when you're actually, you know, taking off and traveling over the bar. So if, if, I, have, if I have a tailwind, then I will move my run up back a little bit further so I'm not too crammed into the bar because the wind's obviously going to push you into the bar. And when I'm taking off with a tailwind, yeah, when I'm taking off with a tailwind, it's harder to get in that correct position because you need to have, because the wind's pushing you into the bar, you really need to get your knee up a lot higher than you normally would so you don't, you know, fall into the bar. Then with, with a headwind, you might need to move your run up a little bit close to the bar because you don't want to be too far out. But a lot of the time, when you get called to jump, you have one minute to jump. So you'll try and wait for the wind to die down, which is a bit frustrating because you just want to focus on what you need to do to jump. You don't want to focus on the wind as well. So and that's a good question. Egan's pop, I'd say, is, yeah, it's a lot of factors. you got to focus on your run up how far away you're taking off from the bar and then you also have to focus on what the wind is doing to you whilst you're in the air if it's pushing you over the bar too quickly or if it's going to help you get a little bit more hang time with a headwind 
if you have that headwind and you get a bit more hang time, then you have to arch a bit more aggressively because you don't have as, as much momentum going over the bar. There you go. Is your pop going to take up high jump and use my tips? <laughs> the expert. <laughs> so before we end up, I would like to talk about, you know, a sport like high jump, there's so much accumulation of the little gains. And I think when you, it's 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 a really good sport where you can do so many little things that can add up. I think with sports like footy, for instance, cricket, cricket you sort of can look past all the the little stuff because you just focus on the big stuff like running and kicking and yeah. and then instead of and then if you do all the other little stuff like stretching eating right sleeping like all those things you mm. sort that those accumulate to give a lot of gains but i think in sports like high jump they're good because you know that all those little little gains are going to produce big results big yeah. results and especially when you, when you're after little gains too that they're hugely important so well, going in with that what sort of like sacrifices do you make to make sure you're getting all these little gains? Yeah, so this um I'm not sure if you know this, but I've been sober my whole life, so I like, never had a drink before. I do know that. Yeah. yeah. Um that's that's like a that's an interesting one. And also Brandon Stark put this like a really good way. Don't think of your sacrifices as sacrifices, think of them as choices. So like I choose not to drink. I choose to eat well. I choose to get good sleep, and I think that makes it a lot easier. So, with like all those little things, yeah, obviously don't drink. I just for diet, I just try and keep it simple. Because whenever you start going into like all the fancy diets, I don't even know the names like paleo, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. When you start going to that, actually, I watched the um, what was that documentary on the vegan diet, the game game changes? Yeah, yeah, you can follow that rabbit hole, but in the end, I think just a good way to just keep it simple. Follow the quarter, quarter, half rule: quarter carbs, quarter protein, half veggies on your plate. So that's just what I do. That works well for me. It gives you enough energy, gets your macros and your micronutrients in. But in terms of getting all the little things right for things like high jump it's like critical i'd say to because obviously you're chasing centimeters if you're if you put a couple of kilos on that will literally like take maybe 10 or 15 centimeters off your jump which is like drastic i'll be lucky to get off the ground with my weight yeah how much are you weigh? oh i'm about 90 at the moment Jeez, big boy what, what a what a high jump is what are you at i weigh 83 at six four, so high jumpers can be a huge range. So that the world record holder is the exact same dimensions as me. Actually, he's six three, and he weighed eighty two, eighty three when he broke the world record. But then you have some high jumpers like Barshim, the Qatar dude. He's six two, and he weighs sixty five kilos, <laughs> which yeah. is like insane. And that's just that's just his natural build. But to get back to your question, literally, like I don't know. It's just it's just self-explanatory and like like I said earlier, you know what you need to do. Like it's very it's very standard. You hear it from like all sports science people. You hear it from all your coaches. Eat well, sleep well, you know, hydrate. That's the most. That's the best recovery you can do. So it's just it's just simple and it just yeah you know you know you need to do it. So just do it. Yeah, that is great advice. Now, we're talking about those marginal gains and you've got a lot of coaches which give you your programs and stuff. Have you guys ever discussed about trying other sorts of unique trainings, any little yeah. fad athletic <laughs> stuff to try and get some... Mar- um, yeah. Change it up a little bit anyway? Um. Well, my strength coach will give me like... A block of six weeks training on a gym program and then we'll, uh, my weights my lifting program will change like so like things like today's session this is free free um free, free high jump training if anyone if anyone wants some all right there we go so today's session in the gym jump rocker step up dumbbell drop jumps barbell box squats seated hurdle jumps 
RDLs, barbell, hip bridge, single leg mini band abduction, prone bench row, push-ups, weighted, split squat calf raise, and um, seated good morning, so like that back yeah, exercise. Yeah. So that's just like a standard like gym session, and then we'll change that. I've got like three different gym sessions in a week, and then we'll change it up every six weeks. You know, that's just the blocks that we do. But then again, it also depends in season, off season. But in terms of fads, like <laughs> athletics fads, I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't, what would I think? Whenever I think fads, I never think of athletics training. I just think of fucking Tom Bolsh, Brian training and all his, all his stuff that he posts. Don't like it? Oh, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that no, no, no training program should be universal. And that's, yeah. I think a lot of, and like, look, I think he's got like good intentions with helping people, but you're probably going to get some 14, 15 year, old, 15 year old kids that think that this is what they need to do to get to the AFL, which is yeah. not the case. No, we, we don't really follow any fads in the gym. I mean, on track, we do it all our players, like hurdle jumps and stuff. But actually, a very typical, stereotypical athletics lifting like exercise would be cleans. We do lots and lots yeah. of cleans in the gym. That's that's about it. That's all I can think of, yeah. really. So, yeah, I think plyometrics are huge. I, mm. I obviously try and do a bit of leg training to... I can, I can tell, mate. Um, improve Tree my trunks. <laughs> improve my football, but I know a lot. Historically, I've, you know, I don't, I haven't really been coached much, so I have to do a lot of my own research, and I've tried different things, and I think I've sort of found my, my answer in the last month or two. I've been doing a lot more athletic plyometric sort of stuff, and I think that's really helped. A lot of the exercises you've mentioned, I've started yeah. implementing. I think that's definitely. A, f- a bit of a misconception in the athletic world i think that's where i think that is where prime trains whole direction is going with yeah. you know trying to make people train athletically i think yeah a lot of the content is um exaggerated to get views but there's nothing <laughs> nothing wrong with but it. yeah like like he says you got to train like an athlete instead of a bodybuilder which is very true but yeah there, there's a there's a line of where your content is yeah. got to be genuine all right, before we wrap up, I would like to hear some of your future plans just so we can look back on this. And um, yeah. so we, you, 2024, that was the next goal in sight? Yeah, because of my ankle this year with surgery and a couple of months ago, I kind of like tweaked it a little bit of training. I probably won't compete this season, unfortunately. The season's already started. It will finish in April. So that's pretty upsetting. But my my next comp will probably be November 2023. By that time, I'm expecting to be on my full run-up. And then, yeah, it's going to be... Put it this way. It'll be a stretch to qualify for Paris 2024 Olympics. I think it's doable. I believe it's doable purely because if I can go 212 off a short run up and when I did my 212, my jump strength was at 60% of my potential. So, you know, you do your... How do you work that out? You do your thigh pull test with force plates. So my strength coach does my strength testing and my thigh pull, which is pretty much like an RDL deadlift movement. You pull against the hooks on the like the bar yeah. and you're standing on fourth plate so my pull for my thigh pull was much higher than my jump test so you do your jump test on the fourth plate so my jump like force output was 60% of my thigh pull so, so cool, that yeah so that's pretty sick so that was pretty exciting when my 212 was only at 60% and a short run up yeah. um, so hopefully we can get that close to 100% and on a full run-up, that, you know, you, it's hard to say what that will put me in in terms of, like, results, but I'm hoping mid to high 220s. That would be pretty sick. But, yeah, definitely compete in the 2023-24 season, intend on 
competing on the Australian circuit there at the track classics. So hopefully I'll be able to get my ranking points up for the Olympics. And, you know, God willing, we'll be able to go to Paris in 2024 and I'll be able to use my very limited French skills that Paul Dunham taught me in <laughs> year 11 and 12 French. So, yeah. Only 20 years old. I've read somewhere peak high jump age is around 25, 26. And mm. you told me of that bloke doing really well in his mid-30s. So yeah, yeah. You've got a long way to go. And you're only yeah. so excited to see what you got ahead for you. Thanks, um, Egan. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting stuff. And it's like just just being able to visualize what I can get out of this is what, you know, gets me going. And that's like... It's exciting to get up every day and get to work and, you know, do something that I believe in. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty sick. That's great. Very excited for you. Anyways, thanks for coming on. It's been a great chat. No worries, um, Ian. Thanks for listening to the second episode of Brooko Mode. Michael is a high-level competitor and it was great to get insight into the mind of such a determined and resilient athlete in the face of adversity. Michael is one seriously committed athlete and it was inspiring to hear how his intrinsic motivation fuels him to be the best he can be. Thanks for the support as always. So research, try and find But you don't know where to go So many thoughts flood through your mind Confused and want to know Mystery, what is to be So much more than meets the eye Listen to me, time is your key You'll find out by and by You can do it if you try, try, try Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.